Make yourself available. Don't be so busy that you miss those appointments because I'm telling you, God has appointments for us. Maybe not every day, but I guarantee every week he has appointments for you. Make yourself available for God to use. We are in a theme called On the Front Lines. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you on the front lines? And... Um, my title this morning is called Life on the Line. And how many of us remember when we were like, you know, four, five, and six years old? I don't know if you remember those days. Do you remember that song, Ring Around the Rosies? Do you remember getting in a circle? Maybe it was like, you know, a long, long time ago. You know, Ring Around the Rosies. I even forget how it goes. Pocket full of posies. Thank you, Aunt Sherry. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down, right? And how many of us, I don't know if you were younger, but how many of you ever played with uh, Hacky Sack? You guys ever played with Hacky Sack? You know, when we're, we're really little, we played Ring Around the Rosies. We got a little bit bigger and we played Hacky Sack, right? There are so many different games. There are so many different things that we do in a circle. Duck, duck, goose. It's one of my favorites, right? And that, that's an oldie but a goodie. Heads up, seven up. Sometimes musical chairs, it's in a square or a circle, right? Group discussions, oh, how we love being in a group discussion, right? Why a circle? Why, why hacky sack in a circle? Why ring around the rosies in a circle? You know, circles are easy to monitor. In a circle, most people feel that they're equal with everybody else because they're in a circle and they're looking at each other. In a circle, it enables everyone to see and to hear one another. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17, verse 8, and we'll get back to that circle. But 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for the battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistines said, this day I defy the army of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Skipping to verse 16, for 40 days, turn your neighbor and say 40 days, 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and he took his stand. And skipping down to verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other and David left the things with the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines and he asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and he shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So this morning as we kind of paint this picture with Goliath and we're going to get back to where we started. It says that for 40 days, 40 days, Goliath strutted his stuff. He gave his speech, he made his stand, he stood his ground. Every single morning and every single night, this guy, this very tall guy, he would come out and he would give his speech about how he's going to beat everybody up and who's strong enough to come fight me. He stood his ground, he put a line in the ground and said, who's going to come toe-to-toe with me? Who dares to fight me? 40 days and 40 nights. Here's a picture, an old picture of Goliath. He looks kind of big, right? Kind of like Joel. 
Every single day, 40 days, 40 nights, yeah, you just did this. This is exactly what he's doing here, right? Yeah, he's, you know, basically what he was saying to Israel is, I'm a champion and you're a wimp. I'm powerful, you're a wimp. I'm powerful, you're weak. I'm big, you're small. I'm strong, you're afraid of me. You are nothing. This last picture here, I love this one, is because whoever did it, David's not even goes up to his kneecap. But you know, honestly, it's probably not David, but that's how the rest of the Israelites felt. They felt so small in this guy's presence because his speech was so commanding. How many of you have ever heard a speaker and you're like, man, I'm ready to sell my house, my car, my, my boat, my, my cat, my dog, and my rat, and I'm ready just to give it all away, right? Sometimes you can hear somebody with a commanding speech and they're, they're just so believable. They sound so good. And for, for Goliath, because he was so big and so tall, the very thing that he wanted to do, he wanted to show how bad he was. He wanted to show how tough he was. He wanted to say to everyone, I'm a champion. I'm a superhero. I am a superhero. And you're nothing. Now men, stand up real quick. Guys, stand up. Come on, if you're a man, stand up real quick for me. Come on, just real quick. Not gonna, I'm not going to make you do anything. I can fly around a cape. Now, I don't know about you, man, but every day when I wake up, I definitely feel like one of these guys right here, right? When we first get out of bed, aren't we ready to take on the world? You can sit down. You all are awesome, man. You look good this morning. Many of us superheroes wake up in the morning ready willing to take on all that the world has for us. But you know what happens? A lot of times for, for many men and for many women, by the end of the day, that's how we feel like little David there. That no, no matter, when we woke up in the morning and the coffee was perfect, the coffee, the espresso, the cappuccino, the energy drink, whatever you have first thing in the morning, good morning kiss, whatever it is that makes you feel wonderful and bright and cheery, the moment you wake up as a man, you're, you are ready to take on the world. And for women, the same thing. I'm sure that once you get ready and shower and all prettied up, you are ready to take on the world. But how many of us know that there's days where we live in and days that we go through, no matter how good we started, by the end of the day, that's how little we feel. And this was exactly the picture. This is exactly what Goliath was doing to David and what he was trying to do to the armies of Israel. I am everything. I am a champion and you are nothing. I defy you. I defy your God. I spit on you. You're worthless. Your life means nothing. You should have never been born. Your life is a mistake. You are absolutely nothing. Do you know that message? There are so many people around our world that hear that message every single day. You're nothing. Your life means nothing. You're a mistake. You were never, ever meant to be here. The worst feeling in the whole wide world is feeling worthless. And this was exactly what Goliath did in this story. He made an entire army feel worthless. He made the entire army. There was an entire army who was so afraid of this one man because he sold it. He knew how to sell his pinto 
though it was a Cadillac. He knew how to sell his Kia, though it was a Mercedes. He was a great salesperson. The result, this horrible result from, sorry, the result of his speech and his aura that was around him is he made everyone there feel worthless and like nothing. You know, many people and many of us, every day there's certain things that we face. And there's many words that, that many of us hear and there's many things that we face every single day on, a, on a every, just every battle that's out there. The writer of Proverbs says, the tongue can bring death or life and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Saul or Goliath in this story, he loved to talk. He loved to talk. And the words that he spoke in this brought death and it brought death to the hearts of the army. And I just wanna encourage you this morning that no matter what giant you face, no matter what army you face, if you wake up feeling like this, and ladies, sorry, I didn't pick any girls to put up there as super, you know, women. And uh, hopefully you ladies can forgive me. I only use men as an example. But no matter how we start the day, that's exactly how we need to end the day. This morning I started with the Psalm, Psalms 22. And one of the things I love about King David, if you follow his life, this man was not perfect by any means. We know that he had many faults, many mistakes. And if you read and listen to, well, not listen to, we can't hear the worship he played back then. But if you listen to the, the words that he penned as a worship leader, he was telling God, where are you? Why are you so lost? Why are you so quiet? And through his songs, he was very raw and real. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you raw and real? Are you raw and real? And if you don't have a neighbor, just pretend you got one, right? Yeah. Very raw and very real. But David, through every psalm, as you see, as he's putting out his heart on paper and as he's putting out his heart on a harp, he's saying, God, where are you? But by the end of it, he's saying, God, I praise you. God, I, I love you. So he goes through and the Bible shows his life as he's going through his ups and downs. Goliath says to the armies, I defy you, you are nothing. And for them, when their life was on the line, most of the, the army, the whole entire army, when their life was on the line, they were terrified and deeply shaken because of one man. You know, it's different, you know, recently one of my kids had a friend and not a super close friend, but still a friend, a kid who died and he um, was in a coma and he was coming in and out. And after four days, I, the parents had to pull the plug. He wasn't responding anymore. And imagine having a 14-year-old son that was not responding anymore. And you had to be mom or dad and say, go ahead and let my son go. Can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine letting and being the person who had to decide it's time to pull the plug? You know, and I hope one day, you know, just to think if you had to do that for your parents, you know, if you had to be the one to say for my parents, for your mom, for your dad, it's time to pull the plug for one of your kids or even your best friend. What if you were the one for your best friend and it was up to you to say, you know what, he or she's not coming back, I got to pull the plug. You know, we all feel a little bit different. We all act a little bit different when life is on the line. We're going to go to another scripture and it's in 
uh, Numbers, if you have your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen. Numbers 13, verse 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent to us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. It is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there, they're powerful. Their towns are large. They're fortified. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak. Verse 31, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report about the land among the Israelites. And the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. You know, it's so strange in this story to me that God tells the Jewish people when they left Egypt, they're headed to the promised land. And when they get to the promised land, they send out 12 spies. And as they send out 12 spies to the promised land, they get there and these 12 spies, there's, there's 12 men looking around at this land. And I have to think this question arises in, in, in their head and they're thinking, why are we here? God promised us this beautiful promised land. It's got milk, it's got honey. And good produce. What else do you need, right? I'm sure there was some black Angus cattle roaming around, but they only pointed out the produce and the milk and the honey, which I guess is important, right? But as they're there and they're saying, the land is perfect. We just have one problem. There's big men there. There are big men there. They're giants. And so for 10 men, they look at this, and I know the question in their head is, why would God bring us here? Why would God bring me to a place where I got to stand up in front of a giant? Why would God promise me this land? And now I got to face him? I got to face them? Why would God do this? And so as they're, they're giving their report to the, to the people of Israel in Numbers, they're saying, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It's everything that we dreamed of. I'm not really sure why we're here though. We can't fight them. Their cities, it's large, it's fortified, it's well protected. We look like grasshoppers. We look like, we look like David in this story compared to the men that are here. Why did God do this? Why did God bring me here? You know, that's a question that's asked by a lot of people today. Why did God bring me to this place? Why did God bring me to Hemet? I can't tell you how many Christians have probably who have said this, who have prayed about this, who have this, that, and the other. Why did God bring me here? Why did God bring me to this valley? I should be in San Diego. I should be, you know, on um, Newport Beach, right? Or I could be in Hawaii hanging out and surfing in the sun. Why did God bring me to this valley? And I know for the Jewish people, it's exactly what they're thinking at this point. Why? You know, there's always a but to the story, right? There's always a but to the story. And they're saying, but, why? There's two words I want to talk about for a minute, and it's instill and install. And instill means to impart knowledge gradually through a process. And install means to be set up, a process of being set up. And so this morning as I read you two stories, the very first story was David and Goliath. And as I talk about instill and install, Goliath was instilling fear inside of the hearts of the people that he talked to. He was instilling, imparting a knowledge, a gradual through a process, 40 days, 40 nights, but he was instilling in them a fear and a terror that gripped their hearts. And here was a man, and I have to bring that up to say that Goliath did this because of his arrogance and his pride that he had. 
Have you ever gone to Walmart and been embarrassed? I don't know about you, but I have, so I have five kids, right? And there's been a few times in my life where I've gone shopping at Walmart and one of my kids wants to act out, right? If you have a kid, has your kid ever acted out before? Have they ever hurt your pride because they acted out as a, as a little kid? Have you ever been embarrassed because you're a parent and, oh, my gosh, and people are going to think you're not a good parent because your kid's, you know. And I love when you go to Walmart now and you can just pretend that you're a parent and you see a kid flopping on the ground like a fish because they didn't get a toy. Isn't that the funnest thing to watch? It wasn't when it was my kid, right? But it sure was sure is fun when it's somebody else's kid. Goliath had such an arrogance and he had such a pride in his heart that he thought he was better than everybody else. You know, every one of us in this room, we all deal with pride at some level. And when the world comes and attacks that pride, we all react differently. For some people, when they get their pride attacked, they run. When some people, they get their pride attacked, they hide. When some people win their pride and there's an embarrassment, there's an embarrassment, it's easy just to walk away. You know, if we bring up football for a second and not to get too crazy, but there was a coach recently who said something that he shouldn't have 10 years ago, right? And he lost his job making $10 million a year because he said something that he shouldn't have 10 years ago. Now, as a parent, do you teach your kids, if they make a mistake, if you make one mistake, I'm gonna kick you out. Is that the type of parent you are? Or as a parent, do you think that you should help your kids learn through circumstances, through hard choices to say, yes, you screwed up. Yes, you said something stupid. See, but we're becoming a people that when you say one thing, you're hung on a cross because of the one thing that you say. We're becoming a, a people today and there's people out there that are trying to make everyone afraid of what we say and what we do. And we do have to be careful. And we do have to be respectful and we should say the right things, right? But I'm saying that it's getting to a point where maybe people just stop talking because they're afraid to say the wrong thing. You're gonna lose your job. You're gonna lose this. You're gonna lose that. Goliath instilled the fear, his pride, his arrogance, which brings me to my circle. See, through life, through words, through circumstances, through influence, we start a circle. And it started as a kid when we did, you know, ring around the rosies, pockets full of posies, right? Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. We were trained from a very young age. Life is a circle. And through physical, through mental, through spiritual moments, many of us, we go through a circle over and over and over again. The second story I read to you, the Israelites, there was 12 men who went to go look at a land that God had promised them. Now these 12 men, there was 10 who said, there's no way that we can go and we could take this land. Even though God said you can have it, even though God said it's yours, it belongs to you, 10 men out of 12 said there's no way that we can take this land, the men are just too big. It's just too hard. It's just too difficult. I just can't get through another day. I just can't do it. And because of their words and because of their speech, the Jewish people spent 40 days doing what? Running around in a circle. What does the world, what does the culture today, and what does the devil and demons, what are they trying to do? They're trying to keep you floating, flowing 
in a circle, in a physical mess, in a mental mess, in a spiritual mess, so that they can rob us of the blessings that God wants us to have. For 40 days, we know that Jesus fasted. You know, and to fast even just an hour sometimes is difficult. Jesus, 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted. And there's a few men in the Bible who fasted for 40 days. The giant in this story, he, for 40 days, 40 nights, he taunted his struff and he flexed his muscles for 40 days, 40 nights. For 40 years, the Jewish people spent circling and making a circle, testing, trying, being refined. And so the question this morning is if you're in a circle this morning, if there's any kind of physical circle that you're going through in your head and in your mind or spiritually that you're trying to find answers through God and this and prayer, are you running from the circle? Are you running from what God is saying? Or are you trying to hit it head on? See, what I find interesting in this story is in Numbers, when these men didn't want to go and take the giants down and they ran away and they spent 40 years of their life being wasted. David, years later, he had to go and fight what? He had to go fight a what? Giant. And if you don't take care of the things that you need to today, they're going to come back later. If you don't handle the circles, the tough situations... If you don't handle the thoughts that are wreaking havoc in your brain, and spiritually, if you don't allow God to take you from here to there to the place that he wants you to, what is going to happen? You're going to keep facing giant after giant after giant. You're going to keep facing men and women and bosses and owners. You're going to keep facing people who are going to put you down. You're going to keep facing people who want to chop you down and chop you at the kneecap. If you don't face today the giant that is staring you down who's saying, and you're worthless and you mean nothing. You are a loser. You can't provide. You're a failure. You're not good at this. You're not good at that. If you don't stand and face what's in front of you today, then you continue to face it tomorrow. This morning, we're going to light some candles. We're going to have a little fun here for a minute. So if you can get your candles out. The lighter's on the back row. And if you don't have a candle, raise your hand and Mr. Joel will get one for you. Where's the light? And so this morning is we're going to start lighting. Joel's going to come around and light them for you. Micah's going to come light them for you. And as you light your candle, what I want you to do this morning is obviously be careful and don't burn your neighbor's hair because I don't want to get blamed for that. <laughs> I've got a lot of hairspray in my head. That's why I'm up here because if I was close to anybody, it would probably go up in flames. But as you get your candle lit, what I want you to do is I want you to hold it up and I want you to point it kind of at a light and I want you to look at the candle by a light. And I want you to look at this very, very carefully, the candle that you're holding, the light that's in your hands. Ta-da. We are 22 years old today. Just kidding. So as you light your candle, but come on up here. You can just stand. Since I don't have a candle, you can stand next to me and be my candle guy. Here, look at that. Here comes that, that tall buff giant now, Mr. Joel Barreto. So what I want you to do is take your, your candle 
And I want you to kind of blur your eyes in between the candle and a light. So kind of point it up to a light. Now, I think we would all agree this morning with our candles, it's lighting up the room a little bit. But wouldn't you kind of say that the light's blending in? Yeah, it's kind of blending in, right? Sherry, if you can turn off the lights for us. I'm not Sherry. <laughs> See, I've called you a giant and I've called you. Da-da-da. Now, if you have your, your candle, now your candle sticks out a little bit more, correct? Mm-hmm. Now with your candle, you know, it's not so blurry in between the light. Now your candle is standing on its own and it's making a point. Go ahead, Sherry, you can turn the lights back on. And you can blow out your candles. What about Joel? Joel, you can turn your light. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Hopefully there's no smoke alarm in here that's going to go off. Beep, beep, beep. I hate those things. Okay. So here's the point. There's been a season in, in Christianity where we've lived like the candle with the light on. And it was so easy just to blend in. The last 20, 30 years of Christianity, for many, it's been so easy just to blend into any church. Just to walk into any church and just blend in and sit in the back and, and listen to music and go away. And so sometimes we live our lives. That's how we want to live. We want to live a blended life. It's easier to be blended. It's easier when the light's on and it's easier if I just hang out with these people because it's so easy and it's so blended. And so physically, spiritually, mentally, some of us, that's the space we live in. With the light on, with our candle on, and I kind of believe in God, and I kind of believe in Jesus, and I kind of do this, and I kind of do that. But no matter who I hang out with, I blend in with everybody. And then when, when my feelings stop feeling so blended, I just walk away. When the giants get too big and people start to pose me, I just walk away. When we turned off the lights, that represents 2021, the new day that we live in. If you are going to be any type of person with opinion... You stand out. If you have any kind of opinion today, if you read the Bible in public, you are going to be like the light in darkness. Today, there's more darkness than there's ever been. And we can see that the end days are closer than they've ever been. That God's coming back sooner than it has ever seen before. There are things that have destroyed our world and they've killed so many people. And being a Christian, it's not as cool as it used to be. And it's not as fun as it used to be. Right? People who, when COVID started and they would watch church online, now they're not watching anything online and they're just sleeping in and slowly fading away from God. Matthew 5.13 says this, you are the salt of the earth. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're so salty. You're so salty. You're the salt of the earth. But what is, what is good is it as salt loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot is worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for no one. So he says, let your good deeds shine for all to see. 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Last verse, Matthew 7, 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through one way, the narrow way. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide. It's broad for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. The road's very difficult and only a few find it. Stand with me this morning if you're able to stand. Daniel, come on back up. And so as we close this morning, my title again is called Life on the Line. And it's life on a line, and our lives are on the line, and other people's lives are on the line this morning. What are so many lives on the line for? There is such a fight. There is such a fight out there to close, to quiet down. There's such a fight for Christians to be so blended and to not stand up anymore. There is such a fight today that if you want to read the Bible and stand for truth, you are going to stand out and you are going to make a difference. Sometimes the hardest choices, they're never the easiest, but they're the right thing to do. And I want to encourage you this morning, we're going to close in a song and then we're going to pray. We will continue to fight giants because that's the way that life is designed. But I just want you to know, if you ignore it, if you run from a giant, if you hide because it's just too difficult, that giant will keep coming back. Yes, whatever giant you defeat today, then Joe Schmo will come back and it'd be a different one tomorrow. Life is about fighting. We are all men and women, and I'm sorry again, it's only men this morning. You are a superhero this morning. God designed you, God put you together. No matter how you think and feel, no matter what anyone has said to you that you're worthless or a mistake, you are an amazing person. You're an amazing man. You're an amazing woman. And God created you for a purpose. God created you to be alive today. God created you to make a difference. God created us to be the light and the salt of the earth. God created us to change the valley that we live in. He put us here for a reason. He put us here not to run away from it, not to ignore it, but to do good for where we live. You are strong. You are powerful because God has made you that way. Let's pray.